Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Chile, Kamaru Usman versus Damian Maya. And Shaq, Kamaru Usman finally gets a chance to prove that he's a top five guy. Yeah, man, he's got he's to gotta live up to what Tyron and Kobe have done their last two fights. I mean, those guys went out there and smashed Maya easily, so he's got to live up to those guys. He has pretty much taken care of business handily in every one of his fights, and he is a top six guy, so now he gets to go out there and prove it. But what I want to know, Shaq, is, is he going to use more than 30% for this one? You know, his 30% does put 100% of us to sleep, and I mean, you know, he is a boring fighter, but he gets the job done, so we'll give him uh, his credit, and, you know, he does handle these guys very handily, but don't sleep on Damien. Damien's one of the best of all time, most wins in welterweight uh, division history, and one mistake with Damien, tap, tap. I think people forget that, you know, Damien's like the human backpack. You know, he takes two tough losses against the champ and the potential future champ. And now all of a sudden he's a plus 450 underdog, which is a spot we haven't seen him in maybe ever, if not years. Yeah, man, the, you know, this is the type of hype Kamaru Usman has. And his performances, you know, have showed it. Granted, you know, they are boring, but hey, they're dominant 30-26, 30-25s. I mean, he's wiped out a lot, pretty much everyone he's fought. Yeah, this is uh, this is very true. And, you know, for the fans, obviously we mentioned that Max Bet season continues this weekend. For those that missed it, the recap show, two Max Bet winners at UFC 224, Jack Hermanson at minus 135 odds, Marcus Maluco Perez at minus 200. Like we said on the recap show, you know it's a Max Bet when your worst-case scenario still wins the fight, Shaq. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Now we go down to Santiago, Chile. We uh, Max Bet season is in full effect again. And you know what time it is when we say Max Bet season. It's time to get that money out. It's time to capitalize on these opportunities. It's time to stop hesitating and asking questions if best fight picks is the real deal or not. We're man of our words. We get the job done, and it's time to sign up. And when I tell you to Max Bet Jack Hermanson, don't come back at me and say, uh, Wait, I'd rather Max bet Junior Albini. When we say Max bet Jack Hermanson, that means Jack Hermanson. And this weekend when we tell you what to play, just go ahead and play it. And we're still offering the same promotion. Buy this one event VIP. And if it doesn't profit, get the next two free. So uh, tell us who's get, who's doing better offers than that. And let's do this whole car start to finish, Shaq. First up in the lightweight division, we got Felipe Silva. He's minus 300. The comeback on Claudio Pulez is plus 250. Now, Shaq, both these guys got stopped in their last fights. Felipe in the first round against Taisumov. Claudio got stopped by Martin Bravo. Now they meet in the curtain jerker the first fight of the night. I have a feeling this one's not going the distance. Who you got? Yeah, you know, I like Felipe Silva in this one. I think Claudio's a young kid. I think he's inexperienced, um, even though he did make it to the... Ultimate, ultimate Fighter finale, I mean, I thought that was one of the worst seasons of tough they've ever uh, had. I mean, that, that talent level from that area was kind of low, in my opinion. I mean, he was winning fights by leg lock in his second fight in the tough house. I mean, that's just not the type of stuff that's going to fly around in the UFC. I think he, you know, at 20 years old, and he, the way he got uh, starched by Martin Bravo, you know, a kid in his spot, you know, he kind of did have to take two years off and train just to catch up, but he's so far behind, man. And now he's fighting a Brazilian killer who's got 48 Muay Thai fights. Now, granted, that Brazilian killer, you know, he's probably taken a lot of damage in his career. You know, he is on the tail end, but just a difference in tenacity, a difference in mindset. It's like a shark versus a guppy, you know. So I think uh, Felipe will stalk him. And, you know, uh, at some point, Claudio will... Uh, fill these shots i mean he did get finished by a body shot and one thing felipe silva likes to do is finish to the body so i'm gonna take felipe silva here by first round tko i think it's gonna be a complete butchering um 
Claudio will be back, but he's just not ready for this level yet. Hey, you know, Felipe Silva is a guy that trains with Zaleski every single day, and he has a very similar style. And that style is to go to war right away, to attack you, to break you, to see what you're all about. And, you know, if he senses that you start to slow down a little bit, that's when he turns up that intensity. I wouldn't hold that Tysumov KO loss against him because, I mean, look, Tysumov has nukes in his hands. You know, Tysumov would launch Claudio Puelas into the 15th row. So, you know, I don't really hold that against him. And plus, it was only one punch. He didn't take any follow-ups. He didn't take too much damage. Just one little skull touch, one little, uh, you know, uh, face hitting the canvas first and it was what it was but now he's taking on Claudio Puelas step down in competition like you said Puelas has taken two years off so I'm sure he's improved but there's certain things that remain the same and it seemed like if you pressure the kid he can break Felipe is the type to pressure I think he's three to one for a reason so I'm gonna go with Felipe Silva here now next up in the Bantamweight division we got Frankie Sainz he's minus 320 the comeback on Henry Bure Briones is plus 260. Now, I've noticed a lot of people have been talking about this line, you know. They're surprised Frankie Sainz is minus 320. And honestly, I agree with them. I, I, I'm kind of surprised too because if we're being honest, he's lost four fights in a row. Between you and me, he, he lost to Marab Devalishvili. He got taken down 11 times. He lost that fight. He's on a four-fight skid. If you want to be honest, he's on a five-fight skid because he lost to Sirwan Kakai too. So now I got to know, does my boy uh, Henry Bure get back on track here? Yeah, you know, you do make some good points. Uh, Signs, you know, is an old man. He's 38 years old. We know 38-year-old Bantamweights don't do well, but the thing is he's also finding a fellow 37, 38-year-old Bantamweight who consistently gets blown out the water when he steps into the UFC. The difference is here, you know, Frankie's fighting Augusto Mendez is in the Marabs, you know, low-level, you know, older guys is where Henry's fighting the Cody Guard branches, the Douglas D. Silva's, and the Hani Yaya's. You know, those guys, I mean, go look at Douglas D. Silva's record. He's got a, a, a boxing record. and uh, He's got a similar record <laughs> to my boy, uh, Tractor <laughs> you know he's only He's like 24-2, and two, so he wins a lot of fights. And Hani Yaya is like 9-3 and three in the UFC, so Henry is supposed to get blown out in those fights. So this line is, is way off, in my opinion. I mean, Frankie Sainz should never be at this line. The thing with Henry is... The guy's not a consistent performer. I mean, at least when Frankie Sainz, you know, is in these fights, you know, he does a little something here and there. You know, he can at least get to split decision. Henry just gets blown out the water. Ah, the line is off, but to say, uh, you know, if you want to take the shot, the value is definitely on Henry. It's a 100% dogger pass situation. I think Frankie's going to edge out a split decision. I think it'll be close, but uh, I'll take Frankie Sainz, but dogger pass. Yeah, look, it's a tough one to call. Obviously, the D1 background for Frankie Sainz gives me pause picking a guy like Bure Briones. But at the same time, you know, when we talk D1, this dude's 40 years old and he ain't moving. That entry ain't the same as it used to be. Let's just put it that way, Shaq. And, uh, you know, we are in South America. It's a coin flip. So I'm going to go with uh, Henry Bure Briones you know, here. There, you know, there's different types of D1 wrestling. You know, we have the John Moraga type of D1 wrestling. And then we have the Colby Covington type of D1 wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with that. We got the Pat Cummins uh, D1 you know wrestling. <laughs> we got the Jim Miller D1 wrestling, or you know what I'm saying? It's different types of wrestling. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be, it should be a fun fight while it lasts. Enjoy it. But speaking of fun fights, this one is for real a fun fight. And there's no 40 year olds involved because we got Enrique El Fuerte 
Barzola. He's minus 195. The comeback on Brandon Killer B. Davis is plus 160. Now, all I got to say is, you know, shout out to my boy Ben Saunders, but I think we got a new Killer B in the UFC, Shaq. Yeah, Brandon Davis is no slouch. I mean, I feel like this fight has the potential to be fight of the night. We got a, a hillbilly from Mississippi and a Peruvian warrior. And Enrique, I mean, the guy is a, con, uh, a consistent winner inside the octagon. He knows how to get his job done. He mixes it up very well. I mean, you saw those stand-up exchanges against uh, Mowgli Benitez. He held his own, even though he did uh, get cracked with some shots. I mean, you saw him dump Benitez repetitively. And uh, we know the hole in Brandon Davis's game is not necessarily the takedown defense, but just getting tied up. That's how he lost to Boschniak. He got stalled out. And, you know, I feel like in, if Enrique uses a similar game plan, I think uh, he's going to scrape out a decision. But if he plays around on the feet trying to, you know, get a, uh, a finish in this uh, environment, this Chilean environment, Striking with Brandon Davis is uh, not necessarily the smartest idea. Even though he does get hit with some shots, the guy throws five six-punch combinations uh, combinations deep into the fight. He can throw punches all day. The, uh, the weakness in his game is the in-between phases, the tie-ups. The you know That's what he's allergic to. He doesn't want to get laid on. He doesn't want to get clinched. So, therefore, I'm going to go with Enrique. By, uh, I think it's going to be a very close fight, actually. I think... Uh, Davis is going to have some moments, and I wouldn't be shocked if he pulled it out. But I think it's a case where Davis might have to finish Enrique to win this fight. I think Enrique, uh, if he fights like a pussy, if he fights smart, hugs his legs, does what uh, El Fuerte does, I think he's going to scrape out a decision. You know, I got to give a lot of credit to Enrique El Fuerte Barzola because any time that you get, a, what is he, 4-1 and one in the UFC now? When you put up numbers like that, when you're a consistent winner, he should be 5-0 because... Between you and me, uh, I, I think we can say he won that Bochniak fight. It was close, but I, I had that personally for Enrique Barzola. So the guy is a total winner. And we were talking earlier about how you know the talent level of that last season of the Ultimate Fighter Latino America wasn't the best. And, and the same thing can be said for Enrique's season. The best season of the Ultimate Fighter Latino America was the first season. Because you got guys like Alejandro, you got guys like Teco, Gabriel Benitez, Cheeto Vera, all these guys. But with the second and third season, you only get the winners are the only guys that made it to to the UFC. And that's what you see with Enrique Barzola. But he's been going out here. That training at ATT has been paying off. He knows how to mix in those takedowns at the end of rounds and win fights. But I'll tell you what, this kid Brandon Davis is no slouch at all. He's very, very slick standing up. He's got a nice volume style. He can slip and rip. He can hand fight. He can parry. He's got shades of uh, Zaleski, shades of Tim Means. Super exciting guy. All comes down to where this fight takes place because I do think standing, uh, I do think Brandon Davis has an edge standing. It's just about don't get stalled out, don't get taken down, don't get tied up against the fence, and hopefully he's learned his lessons from his UFC debut and he can apply that here. And if he does, I think he can come out here and get an upset. So I'm going to go with Brandon Davis for, uh, I think the plus 160 dog's going to come through. Now next up in the featherweight division, we got Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. He's minus 210, the comeback on Humberto Bandinet is plus 175. Now, both these guys are coming off the best performances of their career. Gabriel Benitez put on an absolute clinic against Jason Knight. Humberto Bandon Knight starched Martin Bravo in under 20 seconds. Now they meet in South America in the UFC's octagon, and it actually opened a pick but now it's minus 210. Gabriel and plus 175 Humberto. So which way are you going? Yeah, you know, prior to Humberto's debut, I actually picked him in that fight against Martin Bravo because, like we said, I thought Martin Bravo's season itself was very low level. I, I think uh, the talent level was poor. And, uh, you know, Humberto 
uh, was able to pull that out. He landed a, 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 some left kicks, and Martin ducked into one, and Martin went down, so props to him. But now we're about to see where he's really at because Gabriel Benitez is the definition of a professional. He's paid his dues along the way. He He's experienced everything it is to experience inside the octagon, and Humberto Benanai hasn't. He's only been in the octagon for less than a minute, you know what I'm saying? And we know uh, when the UFC... When that real UFC fight settles in and these young kids get in there against these vets, a, a fringe top 25 guy like uh, Mowgli Benitez, who did just beat Jason Knight in his uh, last fight, who was number 15, now one would counter me, uh, Jason Knight's done, he's, you know, he's got CTE, this and that, but Gabriel treated him exactly the way he's supposed to treat him. He treated Sam Cecilia the exact way you're supposed to treat him. He gave him more CTE. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he does his job in there. He consistently does his job. Granted, he's got a couple loss, but he's still getting Even though he lost Enrique, I thought he made improvements from the last fight. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's making improvements fight to fight. I don't think Humberto's ready for this. I think the per the person he was supposed to fight, Steven Peterson, would have been you know a better test. But I, need, I think he needs a couple fights before he fights a guy like Mugley Benitez. I think uh, once his fight clears the two, three minutes, Mark hits that fatigue state. I, th I think the uh, you're just gonna see the experience, uh, you know, take Gabriel a long way in this fight. The thing that's gonna separate them is the boxing. I think the calf kicks are gonna add up as well. And uh, I think Gabriel just knows how to respond better when the fight gets tough. And I, I'm gonna take Gabriel by a handed decision here. Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting match, and I was very surprised that Sean Shelby actually put. Humberto Man and I in there with Gabriel Benitez. I felt like he should have taken a couple steps up the ladder before he fought a guy like Gabriel. I mean, you're coming off a win over Martin Bravo. Let's take it easy a little bit. But they wanted to rush him. And when you get rushed, uh, it might be time for that vet lesson because, I mean, a year or two ago, we saw Humberto Man and I tapping the forearm chokes, you know, stuff that's not even locked in on the regional scene. And, you know, he's had a couple highlight reel knockouts. He's got a nice left kick. He's six foot one at Featherweight. He's a big kid. But this is. He's taking on a kid now in Gabriel who's got over 25 pro fights. I mean, Gabriel is a consummate professional. And even though he's been, you know, win, win, loss, win, loss inside the UFC's octagon, I mean, look who he's been up against. Guys like Andre Feely. I know people like to make fun of Feely, but look, Feely is a top 25 guy right now on the planet. So, uh, you know, Humberto has never experienced anything like this. And if he can rise to the occasion and beat Gabriel, then maybe he really is the next top prospect. But I personally don't think so. I think he's going to get humbled here and he'll come back and he'll be better after this so i got gabriel via either unanimous decision or late tko and next up in the women's strawweight division we got pollyanna batello she's minus 170 the comeback on siri kondo is plus 150 yeah uh, that's a good fight i think uh, both girls have potential i think the loser will still go on uh, win a lot of fights uh Botello trains at Nova and Yao, and you guys have heard me say in the past that the that Nova and Yao style will uh, prevail in the female game, but I like Kondo's game, man. Uh, even though, you know, she is a little stiff, she is, I think, uh, at a speed disadvantage against Botello. I like her volume style. We're talking about a girl that landed 10 strikes a minute in her debut, and I mean, she non-stopped work for 15 minutes. Now, the thing that I have a suspicion on, you know, I think Botello is probably, you know, a lot faster. She is a Brazilian wrestling champion. I think, uh, you know, what's the the common thing in the Nova and Yao fighters? What's their weakness? The cardio. I think a muscular girl like her, I think uh, with the volume style of Kondo, I think uh, Batello might possibly gas out. So I'm, I'm actually going to take Kondo in this fight. I think she's going to cash as a plus 150 underdog. I think Batello will go on to have a great future. She has been stopped before against uh, my girl Viviani, who's uh, fighting my girl Yan Zanin, by the way. And uh, I think Kondo's going to win a decision here, a close decision, just by... Uh, 
out-voluming her. I think it's going to be a close fight, one-to-one going into that third round, and I think the cardio and the volume style will uh, edge out a decision for Kondo. Yeah, you bring up some great points, man. But speaking of great points and great fights, we got Alexandre Pantoja. He's minus 125. The comeback on Brandon Moreno is plus 105. Now, for those that don't know, this is a rematch. They did fight on the Ultimate Fighter. Now, a lot of people have a misconception that Brandon Moreno was whooping on Alexandre Pantoja, and then he got caught. We don't see it that way. Uh, I thought it was a systematic uh, dismantling on Alexandre's part. He went out there, and he choked out Brandon Moreno in the second round after giving him a vet lesson. Now they meet in the UFC for real. Now this is going to count on their records. This ain't uh, an exhibition match anymore. Who do you think's improved the most since uh, their first fight on Tough, man? Man, both guys are top 10 in my opinion. No slouches at all. And by the way, Pantoja beat the living shit out of him in that Tough house. And, you know, oh, he landed a couple punches. That's what Pantoja does. That's why they call him the cannibal. He likes to eat punches and keep moving forward. He landed a couple punches <laughs> in a fist fight? Oh, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unheard that's of. A, that's what he does. I think Moreno has actually, had, uh, actually made more improvements since the Tough show. I think Moreno was a young kid on that tough show, and I think Pantoja was more of a finished product. You know, Pantoja's got more combat experience. Um, Pantoja's serious. You know, his last fight against Ortiz, you know, Pantoja has a bad habit of, uh, you know, taking the back a little bit too early. And then with a minute, 30 seconds, a minute left, you know, guys like Ortiz will turn into his guard and and he'd lose position. He did the same thing against Eric Shelton. He's also one of these guys that he... You know, in terms of going to all his losses are by decision, by the way. You know, in terms of fight IQ, he makes some questionable choices in there. You know, guys will be uh, shooting on him and he'll go for a guillotine and go to his back. Now, if he doesn't get the guillotine, he just lost position. Now we're down on points, you know. So I think uh, Moreno does have good stall tactics. I think Moreno's a better puncher. The tougher guy, I think, is Pantoja. But in terms of uh, winning a decision, I, I think Moreno's actually better at winning decisions at this point. And, uh,. Ortiz straight up stalled uh, Pantoja. I thought Pantoja literally gave that fight away, man. I think uh, he put his hands up when Ortiz was hugging his legs and uh, complaining to the ref to separate him. And, you know, you can't do that in this game, man. You're going to fall behind on points and lose decisions. So I'm actually going to take Moreno by uh, controversial or, you know, a close decision. I think it's going to be super close. It wouldn't shock me if Pantoja won the decision by uh, out-positioning him just because I think he does have the better jujitsu, but I think Moreno has the better wrestling, so I'm going to take Moreno. Man, such a good fight, and so far I've been pretty spot on with the Brandon Moreno fights. You know, started off with Lewis Smolka, and I thought Smolka was going to win, but he was minus 400, so I bet the under 1.5. Brandon comes out there, cashes the under 1.5, and, and I was like, okay, this kid's legit. I bet him as a plus 150, plus 160 dog against Dustin Ortiz, took care of him. And then, in his last fight against Sergio Pettis, we both bet Sergio Pettis big in that spot at Dog Money, and we saw that Brandon wasn't ready for a top-five guy yet. But now he gets to rematch Alexandre Pantoja. And, look, I feel like Pantoja, he was the finished pro- he was the more complete product when they fought the first time, and I feel like he's that way now the second time as well. Because we saw in Brandon Moreno's last fight against uh, Sergio Pettis, yeah, he was able to take the back. He was able to do a couple of things. But when they were standing, man, I mean, he looked super green to me, some of those techniques he was doing. Granted, when you're in there against Sergio, Sergio can make you look stupid, but he did make him look stupid. That's exactly what happened. And uh, I don't exactly think that Brandon Moreno is going to be taking the back consistently of a guy like Alexandre Pantoja. I just simply think this is a bad matchup for him. So I'm going to go with uh, Alexandre, uh, the cannibal Pantoja here. I think he's going to come through as a slight favorite and once again beat Brandon Moreno. All right. Here's the here's the people's main event. Next up in the welterweight division, 
We got Zach Cummings. He's minus 135. The comeback on Michelle Tractor Prezerish is plus 115. Now, I know you remember what happened last time we tried to fade my boy Tractor, and it didn't uh, didn't quite work out. Didn't work out a couple years ago either for me when I bet on Valmir Lazaro. Now they're forcing him to go up a weight class to 170 pounds. He's taking on one of the bigger welterweights, a guy in Zach Cummings who also is known for missing weight. So you think this is going to be a, a little bit of a punishment here, or you think my boy Tractor is going to come in 178.5 pounds? I think Tractor will make weight. I think uh, things really haven't changed with Tractor. Oh, he beat Des Green. All of a sudden he's a you know, a world champion. Um, Cummings, you know, he's super underrated. Cummings is one of those, one of these guys that I've, you know, uh, referred to repeatedly on the show. You know, you watch him on tape and you think, oh, this guy sucks. But when you get in there with him, it's a completely different story. He's been the underdog several times. Plus 330 against Jan Cabral. Underdog to Nicholas Dalby when he was undefeated. Goes three hard rounds with Santiago Ponzinibbio. And honestly, he did better than a lot of people uh, did against Santiago. He was the only guy to not get wobbled or drop against Santiago. That shows me the uh, proof in his chin. And, uh, yeah, he's been subbed in the past, but, you know, oh, he got subbed by a jiu-jitsu black belt five years ago. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Tractor Brazeris, I think he, you know, at 170, it's just a big size a size difference. I think he's too small. I think Cummings weighs 220 pounds outside of fighting, you know what I'm saying? And I think uh, if he thinks that he's going to take down Cummings, I think he's got another thing coming. I think when they tie up, it's going to be a completely difference. I mean, we see what happens when guys are shooting on Cummings. He shrugs them off with ease because he's so big. He's the guy that misses weight at 170. So, I'm going to take Cummings here. I think it's a power difference. You know, Tractor might be a little faster early, but the, the longer the fight goes and that pressure that Cummings uh, puts on his opponents, Cummings never stays out the fight. He never backs down. And I got uh, Zach Cummings, I'm going to say by late finish, actually. Well, I know a lot of people heard all the shit I talked about my boy Tractor a couple months back when uh, Des Green fought him, and we we know the situation with the weight and coming in 183 pounds for an 155 pound fight. It was what it was, but eventually I gotta learn my lesson, man. And uh, how can I keep fading this guy when he wins every single fight? You know what I mean? He's 24 and two. The guy's an absolute winner, and I'm sure he's gonna do some of the shit that we expected him to do last time. And you know he's gonna flop to his back. He's gonna gas out. But all that being said. The dude finds a way to win, regardless of what he does. So uh, I, it's really hard for me to pick against him. I hope Zach Cummings comes out here and punishes him and teaches him a lesson for, you know, the shit he pulled last time. And also, don't forget, he's missed weight in three of his last four fights. So that that Des Green fight wasn't the first time it's happened. You know, I'll never forget when I got robbed in that Valmir Lazaro fight. That was absolutely disgusting. I'm gonna go with uh, Michelle Tractor Prezeris via 29-28 decision here, but. Uh, Hopefully you guys that bet Cummings win because, you know, it'd be nice to to teach my boy Tractor a lesson here. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Vicente Luque. He's minus 200. The comeback on Chad Lepre is plus 170. Now, this is an interesting fight, man. Chad Lepre's had success since he moved up to 170 pounds. Good volume style. Vicente Luque, we know if he connects on that chin, he puts guys down. He's huge for the weight class. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, it's a great fight. I think this is one of the the more closer fights on the card, actually. You know, even though Vicente is a two to one favorite, you know, Vicente's been doing his thing. He beat Nico Price. He uh, knocked out Bilal Muhammad. I mean, he generally takes care of business. The only hiccup was to uh, Leon Edwards, and we see how uh, Leon's doing these days. Chad Lapria, I actually think he did need to move up to 170 because if you go to YouTube and uh, type in his weigh-in against T-Bout Gotti, you'll see that his lips were completely chapped and his eyes had uh, red bags under him, and he was completely out of it. I think he actually did have to move up a weight class. I think his uh, chin's holding up a lot better. I mean, at 55, this guy uh, had to, he gassed out in the third round against Barbarina and got teed off on. We know the type of pace that Barbarina pushes. 
uh, when he fought Tractor. Oh, you know, people thought he had a bad chin. But, I mean, hey, he's a young kid, undefeated. Oh, he lost to Tractor. He's done now. You know, uh, he lost to Ross Pearson, but that was the same Ross Pearson that beat Paul Felder a fight before that. So, I think Chad LaPree is actually going to uh, see better days at 170 like he's been doing. Vicente Luque is serious. Um, the thing with Vicente is I think LaPree has a cardio advantage in this fight. I think I, I could totally see a case of where, you know, Vicente might hurt him early and then, you know, go for the kill and not get the kill because I think LaPree's chin is actually good, to be honest. And I think uh, LaPree's the cleaner the cleaner striker. LaPree's the guy that knows how to fight moving sideways, backward, forwards. I think his movement's better. I think his angles are better. I think his hands are better. Now, Vicente hits harder, but what happens if he doesn't knock him out? I think if he gets into, gets into a point battle with LaPree, I think that favors LaPree, in my opinion. So I'm going to take Chad LaPree. I think he's going to win a split decision, 29-28. I think... Uh, Vicente will probably wobble him a couple times. This is going to be the first time we're really going to see what LaPree's chin is. Uh, he's been fighting, you know, Bufondos, but Bufondos, a serious uh, power striker with a blitz, and, I mean, he ate that shot fine when I don't know uh, a lot of other guys could. So I'm going to take LaPree for the upset here. Yeah, I think you're right about certain things. I think you're right when you say that Vicente Luque is going to rock Chad LaPree. However, I don't think LaPree's going to be able to recover, man. I think now we're going to find out that my boy Chad LaPree should have stayed at 155 pounds the whole time because he's simply too small to be taking on a guy like Vicente Luque. I think he's going to eat a left hook and go down. And if he doesn't, I think that Anaconda choke, that Dars, I think that'll be a, a nice little backup plan for Vicente Luque. And you do bring up good points because Chad does have the better cardio. And if this turns into a three-round point battle, I could see him winning that. But Vicente is so experienced. I mean, this is a guy that knocked out Tiago Mahetta Santos on the regional scene. And, uh, you know, he's only 26 years old. He's just a kid. So I think that Vicente has got the more upside in this spot and I actually see him coming out here and stopping Chad LaPree. So I'm going to go with uh, Vicente Luque for the victory here. Now, next up in the women's flyweight division, we got Andrea Lee. She's minus 300. The comeback on Veronica Macedo is plus 250. Uh, you want to make it short and sweet, Shaq? Yeah, I just think, uh, you know, there'll be a time to fade Lee, but I don't think the time's now. I, I'll take uh, Lee by decision. Yeah, look, I mean, we all saw that fight Lee had on Access TV where she was a minus 1,000 favorite, and uh, I thought she lost the fight. But, you know, she came away with the robbery win. Uh, I think my girl Veronica Macedo might be a little bit too small for the weight class. She's got nice spins. Andrea Lee's way too hyped up, and we will definitely fade her soon. It'd be nice to see Veronica come out here and get this upset. Most likely Lee gets it done, uh, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got Diego Pitbull Rivas. He's minus one sixty-five. The comeback on Guido Canetti is plus one forty-five. Now, uh, man, Diego Rivas, the only Chilean fighting in Chile, taking on the Argentine Guido Canetti. You know these two were roommates and castmates and teammates. On the first season of Tough Latino America, the best season there's ever been of Tough Latino America. They're very familiar with each other. Now they meet in Chile. Very closely lined fight. Who you got? Yeah, you know, I really don't see any too much change in Guido Conetti. I actually thought the line would be a little wider. Um, I know Rivas is coming off cancer, so that's making every everyone a little spectacle. But, I mean, he went three rounds with Jose Teco Quinones. I think the issue is here is the lack of respect for Jose Teco Quinones. A lot of people don't realize Jose Teco Quinones... As you've heard on the past on the show, is one of these guys that's going to be winning a lot of fights down the line. I mean, the guy doesn't try to knock people out. He tries to tip and run and win decisions. There's not going to be a lot of openings against that guy. Now, when you're fighting Guido Canetti, let me just bring up this guy's past. I mean, he 
he lost to Marco Beltran on tough, whether you say it was a robbery or not. Even if he he dominated the second round, but he still lost. Then, you know, he goes in there against uh, Alejandro Perez, and, you know, he's swinging wildly, wildly out of control, leaving his chin wide up in the air. He gets countered, knocked out, and that was when he was 34 years old. Then he fights Henry Briona as a stiff, slow, a guy who's the same age as him, a little more chinny. You know, a guy that's going to stand right in front of him. And, you know, this so-called Guido Canetti power couldn't knock Henry Briones out. And Henry Briones has been blown out the water in pretty much the rest of his fights. But Henry uh, knocked him out and submitted. And let me not even talk about the tap. I mean, go back and watch. It was one of the fastest taps I've ever seen in my entire life. So, you know, things are showing me fights. are uh, His mistakes aren't changing fight to fight. Then he fought Hugo Viana, who, by the way, go back and watch him fight Aljamain. He got his head smashed into the mat and... Directly after that fight, he fought a 3-3 three and three guy and lost when he was minus 1,000 again. I just think uh, the line maker was a... Com- that line uh, was a complete joke when he fought Hugo Viana and, and Hugo fought Zach Riley. So, you know, I think uh, people are uh, over over uh, valuing Guido Canetti here. I think he's a habitual loser. I think he's one of these one-bat-spot guys. And you know my one-bat-spot guys. Those are the Sarah McMahons. Those are the Misha Serkinovs. You put these guys in one bad spot and they go home. You've seen him tap fast before. You've seen him go out stiff before. I mean, when the guy puts his right hand down and his lead leg forward, you know what I'm saying, Then That's how you know the fight's done. You know, he landed a couple of punches on Kung Ho. I don't think the punches were really that serious. Kung Ho ate him fine. And when Guido Canetti hurts people, he goes for takedowns. That takedown takes out half his energy load right there. He's 38 years old. He can only maintain a pace for so long. His chin can only take, you know, a certain amount of punches. I think uh, Rivas is solid. The thing with Rivas here, people are devaluing him like they always do because, you know, he's a fundamental fighter. He sticks to the basics. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's going to stay in his stance, and he's going to counter box. And I think eventually uh, Guido Canetti will leave an opening. I really don't think the storm's going to be that much. I think uh, Diego Rivas is a defensively responsible fighter. He has solid shell tactics, and uh, he doesn't really eat too many shots. I mean, if anyone can tell me a time where he's been, you know, really hurt on the feet, I'd really like to know. Oh, he lost to Mowgli Benitez at 145 when he was 21 years old, you know what I'm saying? And he lost to a top prospect. So, I got Diego Rivas here all day. I think he finishes Guido Canetti in the second or third round. Yeah, look, my boy Guido Canetti is uh, ATA, allergic to adversity. I mean, I've never seen a quicker tap than the time he fought Bure Briones, and now he's 38 years old. You know, we've seen him quit four years ago. We've seen him quit this year. So certain things don't change. And with Diego Rivas, you know, I, I know there's not a lot of confidence in him because he went out there and lost to Teco, and it seemed like he had a pulling-the-trigger issue. But the thing with that is when you're fighting Teco Quinones and Teco leaves absolutely zero openings, of course uh, you, you're going to have a pulling-the-trigger issue. But when you're going up against someone like Guido Kinetti who does not have the movement or the feints, of a Teco Quinones, Guido Canetti is going to go out there and try to take his head off. He's going to try to decapitate him. He's going to try to blitz him. going to try to make it a real brawl because we know that's how the Argentine fights. That's going to leave the openings for Diego Rivas. Maybe it's a left hook. Maybe it's a slip right. Maybe an uppercut. That'll uh, let Diego Rivas counter Guido Canetti and put him down. So I do have the Chilean. I do think Diego Rivas has the historic moment at home. He overcame cancer. You know, people are blowing this whole cancer thing out of proportion. You know uh, the minus 700 favorite in the next fight, Tatiana Suarez, also uh, is a cancer survivor. So I don't see why people hold it against Diego Rivas, but they don't hold it against Tatiana Suarez. I mean, to me, if anything, it shows that he's super mentally strong. He can overcome an even bigger fight. 
uh, outside of the cage. Now he's coming back in the cage in his home country. I think this is a super big deal for him. They got commercials for Diego Rivas in Chile. And now, uh, you know, the habitual loser, Guido Canetti, has got to come out here and find a way to lose because that's what he's good at. Guido Canetti is an expert at finding a way to lose. And somewhere along the way, you know, around that four-minute mark of the first round, once that right hand starts coming down, that's when uh, that's when the opportunity will present itself for Diego Rivas to finish the fight. So I do have the Chilean Diego Rivas by knockout. Now next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Dominic Reyes. He's minus 250. The comeback on Jared Cannonier is plus 210. Now, it's interesting, man, you know, because uh, Jared Cannonier is the more experienced guy on the UFC, but Dominic Reyes, he's the hot prospect. He's the guy they're trying to move along. And uh, now I want to know firsthand from Shaq, is uh, is Dominic Reyes the real deal? You know, I think he. Uh, it's not a matter if he's the real deal or not. It's a matter, you know, what's in front of him. Jared Cannonier, yeah, you know, at one point he had a lot of hype. I, I think finally the people have realized the potential has run out. He's 34, 35 years old. He, he, he's the finished product. He is what he is. Uh, what's that, Jared Cannonier's takedown defense? 22% or something. 22%. And uh, what does Jared Cannonier's game consist of? Swinging big bombs. Swinging big bombs. I think that's a pretty easy style to game plan for. Everyone knows the deal with Jared Cannonier. He wants to take your head off. Now, when he gets these young kids like Jan Kudalaba who have questionable cardio, I think Dominic Rios has his you know, head on his shoulders a little more than Jan. I think he's smart. I've heard him reference. He knows the deal with Cannonier. He doesn't. It's quite obvious. Of course, he wants to take his head off. I think it's going to be simpler. I think he's going to hug his legs, tie him up, try to take his back, you know, stall him out a little bit, win two rounds. Maybe he might gas out in the third half. You know how these young guys have to uh, at least go through some type of adversity. Cannonier might try to, because Cannonier does have good cardio. He's one of these big uh, guys that actually does have good cardio. So, uh, you know, the third round might be a little hairy. But I got to go with uh, Reyes here. I think Cannonier, I think he might be on his way out, man. I've heard some interviews where, you know, he's saying God, Jan Blachowicz ran away from him and he's tired of guys hugging his leg. Hey, if you want to win fights in the UFC, you got to know those in-between phases. So I think uh, Cannonier is easy to game plan for. He struggles to stuff takedowns. I think Reyes can take this on points. Yeah, you know, uh, Jerry Cannonier is one of those guys that he does the interview and he does the whole, oh, I want to fight someone that's not going to run away from me. I want to fight someone that's not going to lay on me. When you say stuff like that in your interviews, you know that uh, you're probably not going to win a lot of fights because if you want to be good at this whole uh, MMA fighting thing, if you want to be good in that UFC shack, you better be able to deal with the guys that want to run away from you, deal with the guys that want to lay on you, and not be that guy that complains. Uh, oh, he didn't want to stand toe-to-toe with me in the center of the octagon. Well, do you want to win the fight or not? So that being said, I think Dominic Reyes is the more intelligent fighter, and I think he will duck under. I think he will take down Jared Cannonier, and he will submit him. So I'm going to go with uh, Dominic Reyes, and I, I think we do have a prospect in the light heavyweight division. And also, Jared Cannonier... He's always talking about going to 185 in his interviews. You know when these dudes talk about dropping a weight class. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not a good look. So I, I got Dominic Reyes here for sure. And next up, the co-main event of the evening. We got Tatiana Suarez. She's minus 700. The comeback on Alexa Grasso is plus 500. Now, a lot of people are perplexed by this line, minus 700 to plus 500, because they've never seen a plus 500 next to Alexa Grasso's name. But when you look at the kind of performances that Tatiana's been putting up, I mean, she goes out there and she fights like a minus 700 favorite. Now the question is, is she going to do that here? You know, Tatiana's serious, man. You know, 
um, these girls, you know, they sprawl out all the way and they still get taken down. You know what I'm saying? At first, I was under the assumption that these girls that she was fighting just weren't good. But when she handled Viviani, who was 13 and 0, all right, I was like, man, I guess the wrestling is too much. You know, Grasso's clearly the better striker. But the thing is, I think Tatiana's just a different level that these girls are used to in the clinch and on in wrestling. And Grasso's been taken down in every UFC fight. She got taken down by Clark. She got taken down by Marcos. Uh, she got taken down by Felice easily. And I, I don't think it'll be any different. I do think the line's off just because, I mean, if Grasso could somehow keep this up, she is the better puncher. But Tati's getting better at her movement. She's getting better at her game. She she knows where her skills lie. I think she's going to grab a leg and go to work. I think she's going to win a decision here. I, even though the line's off doesn't mean you should uh, take the shot. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, I was simply wrong about Tatiana in our last fight. You know, just because something looks ugly doesn't mean that it's not effective. And she's super effective because... You know, like we were talking about on past episodes when we talk about girls like uh, Priscilla Cachoeira and who's the other girl that hits hard? Mackenzie Dern. You know, it might look super ugly, but when they connect on that chin, you know, girls have never been punched like that. And conversely, when Tatiana ties up with these girls, they've never felt any kind of pressure or strength like that before in their lives. So they get taken down, they get laid on, and they get submitted. So much respect to Grasso. It would be cool to see her come out here, win as a plus 500 dog. You know, I'd love to see that. I'm always rooting for the underdog, unless I got to bet on the favorite, Shaq. But, uh, look, man, I think the size is too much. I think the just the wrestling, I think she's going to come out here, take her down at will. Whether it's a 30-27 or a submission along the way, we'll, we'll find that. But I, I think she's minus 700 for a reason. So, I got Tatiana Suarez. Kamaru Uzman. He's minus 655. The comeback on Damian Maya. Is plus 465. Now, not often you see a line like this next to Damian Maya's name. He is coming off two straight losses. Kamaru Usman is making a name for himself. A lot of big wins already. You think Kamaru is going to take the next step in his career and solidify the fact that he is indeed a top five guy right now? Yeah, you know, I've always, uh, ever since uh, before Maya was fighting Kobe, I came to the uh, conclusion that Maya is not going to beat any really good wrestlers, and now he's fighting, you know, the top. He's fighting the three best wrestlers in the division: T. Wood, Kobe, and now Kamaru. Uh, you know, I just don't see him taking Kamaru down. I just feel like it's going to be a physicality difference. You know, arguably, I think uh, Maya might be coming in here for paychecks at this point with the last hellacious beating he took. Well, the last two hellacious beatings he took. Um, I think he might be coming in here for a paycheck. I got Kamaru in this one. I think he's just too physical. I think at some point, you know, it might be a little hairy early, but just the size and the the will, the more you lean on Damian, the more you let him know that you're not, uh, that he's not taking you down, he breaks, and I think uh, Kamaru will beat his ass. Yeah, one thing I like about Kamaru is that he's got cardio for days, man, and he's always so physical in there and the way he walks these guys down he stays in their face for the duration of the three rounds now it's going to be five rounds and look i mean you can't give up your back to a guy like damian maya i mean you can't play half guard with a guy like damian maya still to this day you do those things and that's a recipe for losing but i do think that kamaru uzban is an intelligent guy i do think he's got fight iq i do think he has strategy i do think he game plans and game planning for a guy like Maya, it's been done before. It's going to be done again. We know Damian Maya historically has a very suspect gas tank. Kamaru's got an incredible gas tank. The first round is going to be the most interesting because we know that's when Kamaru likes to come out slow. He does get tagged a lot in a lot of his fights. I know Worley wobbled him a couple times. This is different here with Maya. So Maya's going to maybe have a little bit of success in the first couple minutes of the fight. But the longer it goes, the more it favors Kamaru. And uh, I got uh, Kamaru coming out here and possibly finishing Damian Maya, Shaq. So it's going to be interesting. Well, Shaq, uh, 
before we hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute, last week, two max bets cashed. This weekend, got another max bet for sale. They go to bestfightpicks.com, sign up to the VIP package today, and let's get the job done again this weekend. Alert, alert, max bet season going down there in Santiago, Chile. Join the ride as we take as we take over. Like we said, when it's max bet season, it's time to stop hesitating, guys. I want you to look yourself in the mirror and say, max bet season gets the job done every single time. Literally, and there's no exaggeration because we've never had a consensus max bet lose. And and that's just facts. So sign up today, bestfightpicks.com. Let's hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, how's it going, man? Hey, not bad. Uh, looking forward to some fights. Uh, got some uh, high-priced fights on this one, so it's going to be interesting to see some DraftKings lineups. Yeah, and speaking of high price, I mean, Kamaru Usman's a minus 600 favorite. Taking on Damian Maya at plus 450. Not often you see Maya at those odds. Do you think it's justified? Yeah, I do. I mean, the only way Maya wins is by getting a sneaky submission, which he could do, uh, but he's going to have to do it from the top. He's going to have to get Usman down, or he's going to have to like backpack him, maybe get a submission standing, uh, because there's no way he's going to win a striking fight with Usman. He's not going to knock out Usman. Uh, if anything, he's getting knocked out. So I like Usman here. The only problem is he's $9,500 on DraftKings, so he's going to have to score the most on the card. I can see him getting it done, so I'm going to have some of them, but I'm not going to be all in on him by any means. Uh, Maya might be a fade, maybe like a GPP punt, but yeah, pick here is Usman for sure. Tatiana Suarez is minus 700. Alexa Grasso is plus 500. I know Tatiana has been incredible on DraftKings, putting on these takedown clinics. What I really got to know is, Will she score more with a first-round submission, or will she score more with a three-round domination and a bunch of takedowns? I don't know. She could, she's one of the few fighters who has the chance to score more with the decision just because of all the takedowns. Uh, but, yeah, she could get a first-round submission here. So she definitely has a high ceiling, so I'm for sure interested in her. Uh, but everyone's going to be interested in her. She's going to be the highest-owned uh, fighter on the card in GPP, so... You're going to be competing with a lot of field when you have her in, her lineup, in your lineups, but I do think she's probably the safest pick. Uh, so I think she's a cash lock for sure. And if you're going to try and avoid her, avoid her in GPPs. But I think you got to put her in cash, start your lineup there, and move on because she should get this done. So I know Kyle Marley loves Brazilians in Brazil. Well, now we got the only Chilean in Chile, Diego Rivas. He's taking on Guido Canetti. We know Guido Canetti loves finding a way to lose. You think that trend will continue here? Uh, it is in Chile, so that's making me like Rivas more than if it wasn't in Chile. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be my pick here. The issue is he's $8,600, and I just like more favorites up there more than I like him. So I think it's either going to be a low play for me on Rivas or even a fade. Uh, and then Kennedy, uh, he's just more if you, if you need to save money. Maybe he's the last fighter you put in a lineup because you have $7,600 left on your salary, something like that. Um, but, yeah, this is a fight I kind of want to look to avoid. I don't trust either one of these guys. Uh, hopefully it's just a boring fight. So Dominic Reyes is taking on Jared Cannonier, and they're really hyping Reyes up to be the next light heavyweight prospect. Uh, do you buy it? Uh, he looks the part, that's for sure, but his opponents don't look the part. So that's the problem here. Here's going to be his best test with Cannonier. Uh, if he can get this one done, then, yeah, I think he's in the mix for a title shot in the future. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how this how this one works. Canyonier uh, can put him out. Uh, if he does knock him out, he's really low priced at 7200 
Uh, so he's going to be kind of hard to fade at that price, but my pick is going to be Reyes here. I think he finds a way to get it done, uh, and I'm interested in seeing how he gets it done. So I like this uh, this pick on Reyes quite a bit. Uh, not sure how much I'll have in DraftKings, but I like him more than I like him in DraftKings as well. So this weekend, the most contentious pick, the people's main event, Zach Cummings versus Michelle Prezeris. Uh Everyone is very strong in their opinions on which side they're going. So now I got to know, man, which side is uh, Big Marley going with? Uh, I wouldn't say this is my main event uh, for the night. I like Luque uh, and Laprice a little bit more myself. But for this one, I'm going to have to go up the sides here and just take Cummings. I think Prejeris has gotten a lot of wins just because he's bigger and stronger than his opponent, not necessarily because he's more technical or better anywhere. Uh, it's just he's really tower, been way bigger than everyone he's fought. He should be uh, a 185-er. So... I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how this one plays out, but I'm going to pick Cummings. I think it could be back and forth, maybe a 29-28. So I don't see either one of them having a monster ceiling, so I think you can get away from this if you want to, but it is right there in the middle, uh, and I think you kind of have to target those fights a little bit. So I prefer Cummings at $8,400. I think he does have the higher ceiling, Uh, but it it is always scary picking against Tractor. He doesn't lose much. So you mentioned Vicente Luque and Chad Lepree. I think it's an incredible matchup. I personally think Vicente Luque might be too big for him, but look, man, Chad Lepree's been uh, performing at 170 pounds. So which way are you going? Yeah, I'm going to go Luque as well. I think he just has more ways to get it done. And on DraftKings, he's going to be the one trying to get it to the ground. So I think he has a higher ceiling in that way. But if this stays standing, it's going to be real interesting uh, and I think real fun. So I'm going to have both of these guys I'm going to have some Laprise and some Luque, and I'm kind of just going to make my lineups around. Like, okay, I'm going to put this fighter in. I'm going to make sure I have one lineup with Luque, and then I'm going to have one lineup with him uh, with Laprise as well, just in case, like, let's say Suarez. I'm going to make sure I have one lineup with Suarez and Luque, and I'm going to have one lineup with Suarez and Laprise, just to be sure I have that fight in there, if that makes sense. It makes 100% sense. You know, because, you know, we ha- we got to hedge those bets from time to time. And I know my girl Rocky Pennington came through with 50 points last week for, she was about, what, 6,700 or something. So I could literally get a bunch of the big favorites to score me big points like, you know, Jack Hermanson, Worley, Alves, and do the whole bit. And then I just threw in uh, Rocky Pennington. She got me 50 points. Wow, that's surprising. I-, I didn't even look to see how many points she ended up scoring. That's That's more than I thought. I didn't have much or any of her, I think. So I know you remember when Brandon Moreno and Alexandre Pantoja threw down on tough and was considered the fight of the season. But now since that point, they both have had very successful UFC careers. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're both three and one in the UFC. So now someone's got to take that second loss. Who's it going to be? Yeah, this is my other uh, main event of the evening for myself. Uh, this is a good one to target both sides. It's right there in the middle, 8,200 versus 8,000. So uh, you're going to have to target it if you're making multiple lineups and I'm going to have both of them in lineups, so for sure. I just am going to have more of Pantoja. I like him here. Um, if it plays out like the first fight, then he's going to score a decent amount of points. Really, no matter who wins, they're going to score a decent amount of points. So that's why I like targeting it. But since we did see that first fight, uh, I just kind of see it going pretty similar. Maybe he goes to a decision this time. Uh, but I expect a fun fight. Looking forward to it. So before I let you go, man, you know one of the fights that's really flying under the radar is Enrique Barzola versus Brandon Davis. I mean, this kid Barzola, he's a consummate winner. He's a total professional. But Brandon Davis is very, very slick. I really enjoy watching him fight. Which way are you going? 
Yeah, if I was making one lineup, I think I'd probably just go ahead and throw Davis in it. Uh, just because I like his pace, I think he does have a shot here to win. The only problem is he's going to have to keep his standing for the most part. And Barzola is a takedown machine. So it's another good fight to target both sides. I think the higher ceiling, though, would be Barzola. So he's more of the GPP play. But I think uh, Davis is a solid punt for cash games. If, if you want to go down to that 7,300, he could get the job done. And I like him in uh, both formats. But I like him in cash more and Barzola more in GPPs. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Always appreciate the hard-hitting analysis. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. They can get at you at Big Marley 3 on DraftKings as well. And uh, any message for them? Nah, good luck this week. Uh, let's get it done. with some money. Yes, sir. Kyle, we'll talk next week, my man. All right, take care. You too, brother. And once again, that is why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Shaq, you know, we come out here, we cash these max bets almost every single week. And when we have a DraftKings portion of the show, we don't just get some scrub to come out here and give DraftKings advice. We got the best in the biz, Kyle Marley. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Chile? My fight to watch is going to be Cummings versus Tractor Preserves. I think that's the people's main event. I think that's clearly the fight with the most action on it. I mean, uh, the back and forth action on that fight has been crazy. So there's going to be a there's a lot of people that are looking to get that uh, Des Green money back against Tractor, and there's a there's a lot of people that uh, like Zach Cummings, man. Uh, it's going to be an interesting fight, and like you said, Tractor wins pretty much every fight he's in. So that's the main that's the people's main event in my opinion. We're going to see how a five six uh, welterweight looks. And uh, against a 6-1 Gorilla, so that's my fight to watch. Speaking of 5-6 welterweights, I know you remember that time my boy Matt Serra knocked out GSP. Flukes happen from time to time. <laughs> my fight to watch is Alexandre Pantoja versus Brandon Moreno because, look, it was fight of the season when they fought on the Ultimate Fighter. Unbelievable finish by Alexandre Pantoja. A lot of people called it a comeback. I didn't think it was that. I thought it was a systematic dismantling. Since that point, Brandon Moreno, look, he was pick 16 on the show. And then he goes out there against Lewis Smolka, against Ryan Benoit, against Dustin Ortiz, beats them all, has a five-round fight with Sergio Perez. And Alexandre Pantoja, he's also been putting up numbers. He's also been winning UFC fights. Now they meet in Chile. They're both coming off their first UFC losses. It's going to be very, very exciting. That is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Chile? My fighter to watch is going to be Felipe Silva. I mean, don't sleep on that CM system camp down there in uh, Piranha, Brazil, because okay? uh, Zaleski's been putting in major work, and this is Zaleski's coach, so this guy uh, can go out here, get his second UFC win, make Zaleski happy. You know, him and Zaleski are on FaceTime probably as we speak. You know, Zaleski's telling him Boa, Ermao, you know, you know, Iso, and uh, I think uh, it's a big moment for Felipe, Cristiano Marcelo, and that team. They've been doing really good things, and uh, if he gets this one, they'll be uh, celebrating down there in Brazil. Yeah, definitely. And for me, the fighter to watch is Dominic Reyes. I think light heavyweight's a division that, you know, we need this upcoming star to emerge. We need, you know, the next Johnny Bones Jones. We don't know who that's going to be. And this kid, Dominic Reyes, he's super huge for the weight class. He's got a very winnable task in front of him with Jared Cannonier. And if he can go out here, perform, get another finish under his resume, then we can talk about Dominic Reyes potentially going up there against the top 15, top 10 guys. So this is a big fight for Dominic Reyes and for that reason he is my fighter to watch well Shaq it's going on this Saturday UFC Chile max bet season we're going to get the job done once again and uh, any message for them before we talk next week for Liverpool UFC Liverpool going down next week and that's a big card as well and uh the return of the underdog return of the underdog and you know 
guys sign up this is about to be one of the big best stretches for money making opportunities you know that we got moving forward it's a lot of easy money spots coming up join the ride as best five picks takes down santiago chile like we said before if you don't cash this weekend you get the next two events free thanks for all the positive messages on twitter and uh we'll see you guys next week absolutely make sure you follow shaq at mma genius 05 follow me at Best Fight Picks, go to bestfightpicks.com for the play. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Follow that. Sign up to Best Fight Picks today because we're going to get the job done. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.